You're listening to the Eagle Insider, the Barbershill Independent School District podcast. Barbershill is dedicated to educating, connecting, and inspiring our community. All right, everyone, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. We've got a great topic today. We've got two guests that I'm excited to spend some time with. Today, we're going to talk about our EB, our Emergent Bilingual Students here in Barbers Hill and how we're helping them be successful. And our two guests, our first one, now bear with me with the pronunciations here, guys. I'm going to do my best. Miss Elva Maraquin, That's right. who is our bilingual ESL coordinator, and Mr. George Barrera, who, did I get that one? That's not bad. Who is one of our school board members. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining me. Appreciate you having us. Of course. All right. So let's just jump right in. We have a large, a larger population of students that need these type of services that are coming in every day. We grow. We talk about this in almost every podcast. How quickly we are growing as a district. So, Miss um, Maddikin, tell us a little bit about your position because it, it's a new one. Tell us about how, how long you've been here and kind of what your role is for our children. So um, I am Elva Marroquin. This is my first year in Barbers Hill. I am the bilingual ESL coordinator for the district. So um, I oversee pre-K to 12th grade. Uh, all of our students that are either in bilingual or ESL classes. Um, I support our teachers. Um, we... Uh, I go into the classroom, support them with any strategies that they may need, uh, go into their PLCs. Um, we also um, make sure all of our students that are coming into the district uh, are identified and are placed in classrooms where they need to be, whether it be bilingual or uh, ESL classrooms. Thank you. Now, you said this is your first year in the program. So these students have always gotten the services they need through Barbara But as this grows and grows, this position was created because we needed someone who's that was their key focus for these kids. Yes, that's right. Uh, we doubled in the last two years. We doubled with our EV population. Uh, so it, it was just very important for us to dedicate uh, specific time to our teachers, to our students, uh, and really go in and support them because we have so many different languages, not only Spanish. Uh, so that is also another, um, you know, it, it's just difficult whenever you have an, a student that speaks a different language than than you do. And um, we're just trying to go in and support as much as possible, giving them strategies uh, and, um, and really just helping out. Right. And Mr. Barrera, uh, not only are you just a longtime board member, but this topic is kind of close to your heart for a very specific reason. Tell us a little bit of kind of about your background and where you started in California and how you got to Texas and and why this is important to you individually. Absolutely. So, yes. So I was born in California in 1961 and we lived in California for the first uh, five and a half years of my life. And there was no English in the house. No English were all the kids we ran around with, everyone we knew were all Spanish speaking. So it was a it was a, a it was a, a revelation when we moved back to Texas, which is where my dad was from Mexico, uh, from the south of south of uh, South Texas, and uh, got put in school in a public school and having to learn English. And we again, I I personally didn't learn how to speak English till the second grade, you know. And and uh, thank God I had great teachers that were very you know they were very passionate and 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 good good to me. But uh, learning English was just in the neighborhood, you know, getting out and 
learning from from the guys, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it was, and we didn't have those type of services. Okay, something came home from school; it was all in English. So my parents would have to find someone. If, if it was a letter for one of us, it was seven of us uh, that needed something. Uh, they would have to find someone to help them translate until we learned to read, and then we would help them translate what the letter wanting or was asking. Uh, so to have the services that we have today is, is I mean, mind-boggling. I wish my parents would have had that those services. So I'm happy that we have that here at Barbers Hill. Uh, go back to my first years here in Barbers Hill. I became I came on the board in 2002, and we did not have a very a very uh, big ESL program. Hey, we really didn't have that many uh, uh, Spanish-speaking kids. Uh, I think when we first moved here, it was uh, probably six or seven percent of the district was Hispanic. And most of those kids were English-speaking Hispanics. We had very little kids coming from Mexico or from South America that uh, spoke no English. Um, I can remember one particular young lady. Uh, Kelly was uh, my wife. Kelly was uh, at the uh, at the elementary school as the secretary, and they had a young lady come in, uh, basically about the third grade, about that age, spoke no English. And Kelly came home telling me, hey, we had a little girl move in today. She speaks no English. I said, well, what are y'all doing with her? Well, she's just sitting in the class. We're trying to figure out what we can do to help her. And um, so they, they, they'd have to go get you know, someone, either uh, uh, the, uh, the, the uh, cafeteria workers or something, to help, you know, translate between the teacher and the child. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we're better than that. So, and that's where the process started. Uh, and, and probably fast forward maybe 10 years from that point to a point where Barbers Hill really was, uh, I mean, just uh, out there at the front, you know, the front of, of leading how we should do this, and then bringing Elva on last year was was a big was a big thing. And it's um, again, I give a lot of credit to the admin seeing that we need to service our kids. Absolutely. Now you said there there weren't services like this for you and your parents when you were young. One of the first things, or not one of the first things, one of the really important things for our parents and our students is that we have an EB night. Which guys, if you have a kid that needs a service, if you have a kid that's dyslexic, if you have a kid that's EB, if you have a kid. As we have services for that, and our special services department is great at putting forth that information and trying to get you to help learn how your student learns. Uh, I just think it's one of the wonderful things we do. And I've, as a parent, I participated and I love that. But tell us a little bit about our EB night and, and what it is and what it does. Yes. So uh, all of our schools hosted uh, an EB night in the fall. And uh, during this night, our parents were invited to hear about our bilingual and ESL program. Telpass, what Telpass is, how uh, their students were doing. They were given specific uh, data from their students according to uh, how they did on Telpass. Uh, the teachers also talked about STAR and any other ideas or support uh, that they can be helped uh, in their language as a language learner. Uh, we had uh, our wonderful George Barrera there, and he shared his story uh, and the importance about being bilingual. Gotcha. Now, Mr. Barrera, why, why is that important to you to come to those nights? I mean, uh, oh. they didn't have to twist your arm, I'm sure. No, no, no. Uh, again, uh, I, I can remember uh, 
my my uh, my upbringing and and none of this was offered to my parents. Again, they were very proactive for their kids, but they just didn't have they had the language barrier. And uh, you know, <laughs> what's funny they had language barrier, but they really never really spoke English at home. Even you know mm-hmm. until the day they passed, they really didn't speak a lot of English. Uh, the first time I heard my dad speak English to someone, I mean, I'm just I'm looking at him, wow, the guy can't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was it was pretty bad, but at least he tried. So uh, it was, uh, like I say, it, it is something, again, uh, to, to, to be able to give these kids what we're doing today. I mean, oh, my God, it's so great. And, and it was something that I wish that would have been there for my, my parents. Uh, my two kids, they're non-English, non-Spanish speaking, you know, uh, shame on Kelly and I. But that now, as professionals, they're both having to learn English, kind of like their mom had to, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Spanish. So it's been it's been interesting to watch them, and we're teaching our grandsons. We have twin grandsons, fourteen, and we are teaching kind of like you said. We're teaching them words. We're teaching them phrases, something more than we did for her, for their mom. <laughs> First off, on a personal note, how are the twins fourteen? How long have we been here now? That uh, they were felt like pre K when I got here. <laughs> Goodness gracious! So again. I just want to reiterate to our listeners, we're going to speak a lot about Spanish as that EB language, but we have multiple languages in here. It's just geographically, the vast majority of our students who qualify for these benefits are going to be Spanish speakers. So if we get fall back in at saying Spanish, please don't think that we're neglecting our other kids. It's just that's where the bulk of it is. That's right. So those students, tell us a little bit about what qualifies a student uh, for EB. Uh, So first and foremost, uh, EB stands for Emergent Bilingual, and this is a term that is used for any student that qualifies as a second language learner. Uh, Students that are, uh, this is for students that are continuing to develop their first language while learning another, whether it be Spanish or any other language. Uh, So when a parent registers uh, their students, they are prompted to fill out a home language survey Uh, In this survey, they are asked three questions. The questions are, which languages are used at home? Which languages are used by the child at home? And if the child had a previous home setting, which languages were used? So if any of these questions are answered with a language other than English, this prompts our department, our bilingual ESL department, to test to determine uh, English proficiency. And this is... uh, if any student is coming into pre-K, kinder, they've never been in school, or if they're coming from a different state, we would uh, we, we would test, or if they're coming from a different country as well, we would test. Um, typically, if they're coming from a school in Texas, they would have already been identified as an EB learner if they are. So uh, we test our students with an assessment called Lost Links. And uh, this is an uh, English and Spanish assessment that provides us with uh, language proficiency in listening, speaking, reading, and writing, which those are the four domains of TELPASS as well. Uh, Like I said, new arrivals or students coming from out of state uh, would be tested automatically uh, with with the lost links, and then um, any student coming from um, outside of Texas uh, as well. If a student is coming from a previous district and they are an EB student, we look at TELPASS. We look uh, to see uh, their their scores, their results. If they uh, were able to reclassify the year before, um, 
you know, we look at a lot of different components uh, to see uh, wh where our students would uh, would go, bilingual or ESL. Right. And we talked about this off air when we met last week. Those students that come from somewhere not Texas, outside, really, anywhere. Now, George, I know you said you came from California, but I'm going to count that as a foreign country. Forgive my West Coast friends. <laughs> but talk a little bit about not when you're coming in and it's it's not just the language barrier, but sometimes there's a, a culture shock and how differently where you move to is doing than where you came from. And I just really want our listeners to, to think about that compassionately about like, oh man, not only do you're having to learn the language barrier on how we're learning, but you're having to learn, they do things differently. Well, Brett, like I told you in California, we lived in a, in basically a camp and everyone in that camp, you know, let's say 50, 60 uh, homes, everyone was Mexican. You know, everyone. So there was nothing but Spanish spoken in the camp, uh, you know. And and so when we came to Texas, I do remember that we spent a very, very short time in Clute. Okay, Clute's right outside of Freeport. Um, and, and, I believe it's the mosquito capital of yeah. Texas. If I'm, They have a mosquito festival, don't they? They, they, do. they do. I'm from that part of Brazoria County. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was the first time that we moved into a neighborhood where not everyone was Mexican. Okay. Well, my dad was working at one of the DuPont plant, I believe. And uh, it was, it was, you know, there was kids there that spoke English and didn't speak any Spanish. And so we, we played, but it was a, you know, kind of a, just, just communicated by sport, I guess. Right, absolutely. But uh, then, uh, and I could tell my parents were looking for somewhere uh, uh, for us to, to land because that wasn't where they wanted to be. And uh, he had a cousin that lived in California, Cal that lived in Pasadena, Texas, that had suggested, hey, there's a great area over here. There's work at this plant. And again, here we go. We went back into a neighborhood where 99% of them were Mexican. And, you know, we were back to, hey, I feel comfortable here. Mm -hmm. It's just like me back in California. And that was that was kind of how my my personal, uh, uh, you know, first seven or eight years of my life was. Right, right. And so that's that's hard sometimes when you're given that service in the classroom because you're trying to teach them a language, but you're also there's culture shock. Oh, mm -hmm. for, for sure. And I wanted to add, just yesterday uh, we received a new student at the high school, uh, and we've in the last two weeks we we've received many, many students at the high school that are coming from a different country, uh, specifically Cuba. Um, and this student, uh, you know, we, we talked to mom uh, just to see what we could learn about the student, what we could learn about uh, the family. And she mentioned that it took them a month to get here. Uh, so they had to go through from Cuba. They traveled through Mexico. And then that's how they got here. They have family here. Uh, we, we actually have cousins already uh, here with us in Barbers Hill, but it took them a month. So can you just imagine just being a ninth grader traveling through a different country to get somewhere uh, where you're just trying to build a better life for, for yourself, for your family, for your kids? Um, so, you know, we we really need to just, just look at those students and, and really see. He's coming in, doesn't know any English, and has just gone through this major life change. Mm -hmm. um, and then being a whole month away from, you don't know where you're at. Right. Um, that was huge for us whenever mom shared that with us. Um, and, you know, th those are the things that uh, we as a department 
like our families to communicate to us because that is important for our teachers to know, for our, our administrators to know, because we need those students to have some counseling, to have some extra support. Um, so, you know, that, that just... No, the uh, nail on the head, the, the, the understanding from the staff, the understanding yes. of what this child is, you know, where Has they're coming through, from. Yes. Yeah. And 15 years in the classroom, six of them here at Barbers Hill, I feel like our staff, uh, I can speak to the high school because that's where I was, does such a good job of teaching the whole child, of understanding the things they're going through, of, of understanding they're human. And there's going to be a course of emotion and there's going to be feelings and there's going to be things that are going through. And uh, it's part of our SEL training. It's part of the things that we do through our professional development to make sure that our kids get reading, writing and arithmetic, but that we're teaching them other things, the soft skills, the how to communicate about how to express your needs and, and your emotions and things like that. And again, when you're trying to do all that, while there's a language barrier is we, that communication absolutely has to be open. So you said we got some new students and our population's always growing. Give me some numbers. Where are we at now when it comes to those kinds of students? Uh, so currently uh, for our ESL population, we are currently at 233 ESL students across our district. Uh, for bilingual, we currently have 190 bilingual students, and then we have about 20 students that are parent denials. And those parent denials are when a parent denies services. Um, so whenever we test a student, we have to recommend this to the parent, and the parent has the option to accept cert services or deny services. So uh, 20 of our uh, of our parents have denied that service. Uh, for whatever reason. Uh, but, you know, we always try to talk to our parents and let them know, uh, you know, sometimes our parents think ESL is what it was back then. I've talked to several parents and they said, well, I don't want them in a different class. Well, they're not going to be in a different class. It, it's not like it was mm -hmm. years ago. Uh, so it's just awareness and letting them know the services that they could get. So we're definitely uh, contacting those parents just to let them know how our program works uh, and the benefits they would get uh, being an ESL student. Mm -hmm. And and how many how many languages are we are we how many students have speak a different language how many different languages? So uh, there are about twenty five different languages represented across our district, uh, including English. Uh, the vast majority, like we said earlier, is, is Spanish, but uh, Vietnamese comes next. Yeah, yeah. I uh, a former district I was in, um, we had, I think on the job board every year, a Cantonese teacher, a job because our, our, uh, soup at the time knew said, Oh, this is going to be one of the most widespread languages, blah, blah, blah. But we were a small country town in Brazoria County and finding someone who was fluent in Cantonese oh, yeah. was a difficult <laughs> process, but, uh, yeah. So, um, let's talk a little bit about the, the services and the things that our kids are given to help them get through the day and learn as we go? Yes, so um, many of our students that uh, are new arrivals or are coming from a different country, they usually need a lot of support, whether it be uh, in their content area or with anything, uh, just, just a simple translation. Uh, so we do provide uh, all of our new arrivals and any student that really needs the support, uh, an iPad. So uh, we, we have iPads that we give to them. The iPad uh, supports them with any translation. Um, the iPad also has uh, Rosetta Stone 
in there where they can uh, practice their English. They could take the iPad home uh, and do you know translations when they're doing their homework. They can look up videos. Uh, you know, we, we, we just had uh, some conversations with our high school students to see what is it that, what else do we need to support you with? And they said, we, we have the iPad, we use our resources. Um, Rosetta Stone is something else that they practice at home or anytime they have um, any time to practice that during the day. Another way that we support them is pro by providing a binder of terms. So vocabulary is huge uh, in our bilingual and ESL students. And so this binder of terms is specific to that student and the classes that they are uh, enrolled in. And um, they have, um, so for example, if they are enrolled in uh, geometry, it'll be all the terms uh, from the geometry class in Spanish uh, and in English or whatever language they, um, they speak. So that has been a huge support for them. Uh, and then again, we, me and Letty, uh, Letty's our uh, LPAC coordinator, and uh, she supports greatly um, our bilingual and ESL students. We both go to um, all of our campuses. We, we speak to our LPAC administrators, and we, we really um, make sure that our students are receiving what they need to be uh, receiving. So uh, anytime we need to speak to a student to see what's going on, what else do you need, uh, we, we go to the campuses, and we also uh, try to support that way. George, what kind of a game changer would that iPad have been with the ability to translate anything he was saying to you I'm during the course of the day? Smiling Google, baby. Right. <laughs> well, in, in our, yeah. uh, our high schoolers, uh, we've we've had some pushback from our high school students because they don't want something right. else, another big device. Right, right. So uh, what we started doing this year is uh, we've allowed them to use their phone for translations. So that ha has been a huge Game change. Yeah. I've heard from several time. teachers, coaches, et cetera. Yeah, they'll, they'll just Google the kid, you know, the yeah, absolutely. conversation with each other. And I'm going, that's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't have that. <laughs> right. So at the younger age, there is a portion of the kids that are taught in Spanish, right? Yes. But as they get older, we transition to English teaching only. So talk a little bit right. about the difference and the transition from when you're younger and you've got a teacher who speaks Spanish and English there and then the transition to just English and, and, and why we do that. Yes. So um, research states that uh, in order for a student to make a, a more fluid transition to English, uh, they should have a pretty solid foundation in their native language. Uh, and that's why we have our bilingual program. Um, we have our bilingual program and instruction in Spanish uh, in pre-K through first grade. Uh, and these are crucial years. Uh, in phonics instruction, uh, literacy. Um, so that is instructed in Spanish. So uh, in pre-K, we have 90% Spanish, 10% English, uh, kindergarten, 80% Spanish, 20% English. That English comes from when they go to specials, when they're, they're in the hallway, uh, when they go to the cafeteria. Uh, once they get to first grade, um, we have about 60% Spanish, 40% English. So we start increasing our English. Uh, and then some students in first grade are, um, are ready to transition. So it just depends on the student. We're constantly evaluating the student to see if they're ready to transition. Some transition faster than others. Uh, by second semester in first grade, we kind of start uh, seeing who can transition already. 
uh, and then we, we we make that transition. By second grade, um, that is our transition year. So most of our um, instruction is in English with that Spanish support from our bilingual teachers. Um, and then uh, second grade all, all the way to sixth grade, we have our bilingual program, but um, most of our content is in English again, with that support from the bilingual teacher. Now, I don't know if it was by design, but that's kind of close to your timeline. You said and, you didn't uh, speak English till second grade. That's right. But what's important to me in, in this and what they're doing and how that uh, process works is these kids, English is going to come pretty quick and then it's going to be just a learning thing. Okay. And, and I don't want our, our Hispanic kids or our, our second uh, ESL kids slipping through the cracks. In other words, Hey, there's GT kids in those Spanish kids. There's mm. GT kids walking around. I want them to have that opportunity. My son, uh, uh, Chelsea didn't qualify. Chase did as a second grader on, and there were some great things that were allowed to him and, and, uh, college hours, et cetera, that, uh, that I want for all our kids. Uh, just because you can't speak uh, English uh, when you first get here doesn't mean you're not that that gifted child, and 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 we're capturing that, and I'm happy about that. Absolutely, I'm happy for our district, happy for our kids. Right, and one of the big things on that too is we talk about that full transition year of second grade. It's because when you get to third grade, yes, that's where the star test that, starts. Yes, the testing <laughs> and, starts, and the state does not offer a star Spanish test, do they? They do. Uh, so, I, and I was going to share, so some of our students, most of our students, about 90 to hundred percent of our students take the test in uh, English, but our newcomers, so right. for example, we have a third grader that just got here a couple weeks ago. He is strong in Spanish, strong, strong student. He's going to take the test in Spanish. The test is in Spanish up to fifth grade. Okay. Yes. So uh, they are able to take it in Spanish up to fifth grade. But that's a small, uh, small population. The vast majority of our yes. kids need to make that transition and take that test in English. That's right. Yeah. Um, now, we've talked a lot about the students and the parents. What kind of stuff are we doing? Because I've come across this when I was in the classroom. Uh, my Spanish is very limited. And I've leaned on Google Translate a lot. If I had a kid that spoke a different language, I actually had one that spoke Chinese for a while. And that was interesting. So what kind of stuff are we giving the, the teachers to help them aid the kids and the parents in the learning process? Giving them elbow. There you go. I love it. <laughs> yes. So for sure, I am uh, I am available. Uh, I've met with a lot of different teachers, a lot of uh, different PLCs, uh, just, just supporting them in, what, in whatever they need. Uh, this summer, we will be having uh, several sessions um, targeting language acquisition skills. Um, so we do have that in the summer. Uh, these trainings provide them with tools, with strategies uh, that they need in the classroom. Um, I've also provided uh, the campuses with kind of like a one pager uh, and it, it has different strategies in that one pager. Mm -hmm. It has uh, their EB numbers on that one pager just so that we are aware how many bilingual students we have, how many EBs we have, what are some tools and strategies that I can um, do in the classroom? Uh, sentence stems are huge for our students, vocabulary. Um, I just went to a, a classroom at the high school and the teacher said, my students wanted things labeled because they are newcomers. They need to see that's a board. That's a pencil sharpener. That's <laughs> You know, we did that when you were an English speaker, speaker taking Spanish in high school. You walked in that room, everything had <laughs> a had a label on it in Spanish. 
like, hello, that would help us go in the yeah. other direction. That was how my son went through Spanish in high school. Everything in my house had a label. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yes. absolutely. Uh, and then also, uh, once we get, you know, ne- once we start next year, uh, there are going to be some trainings during the year where uh, we're, I'm going to be able to sit down with our teachers and really uh, see where their where their students are based on Telpass and how we can move them forward. Uh, using strategies throughout the year to support them with not only telepaths, but just a, lear- a learner uh, and uh, lear- just, just strategies that they can um, have throughout for their content. So, so I have a question. Now. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry. Earlier you said that uh, we have uh, uh, several, 20 you said, that declined. What does that mean, decline? That, what does that mean for the child? So once a, when a parent denies services. Denies, I'm sorry. Um, they are not able to get any support. So, uh, for example, a student that is um, bilingual or ESL for STAR, if they're taking the test in English, they can get content language supports and text-to-speech if it, if they still need that language support. Now, our students that uh, parents have denied services, they cannot get that support on STAR or any uh, assessment that the teachers are given throughout the year. So it's just mainly on the assessments. Well, we're still able to give other services, just not that. In yes. other words, mom and dad don't want them pulled out, which we don't do anyway, right? We do not. Mm-hmm. So and 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 they, you get them to understand that, and they still still decline. Some of them do. Some of them. Uh, we have had quite a few uh, parents that have changed their minds. Good. Yes. Good. So we're hoping that as we grow, as we become more aware of our programs, that uh, that mindset will change. Good. And, and something else, I think once we, once the kids learn a language, I think one of the big, one of the big uh, pushes for us right now as a board, as a, as a district is, is being plugged in, having our kids involved in something, yes. you know, and, and if you can't speak the language, of course you won't be involved, even though you want to. So it's been important, uh, especially with Elva and her group and, and what they're doing. I see, I see a lot of Spanish speaking kids on the floor, helping with the trainers, doing different things, you know, and and, and that's what I want. I, I think that's a great thing because then you become a part of it. You, you, you want to be there. 100%. And uh, that's one of the reasons I'm so grateful that both of you are here because we also have a little bit of representation because you're both native Spanish speakers who learned English later in life and came through. And like you said, those kids are are going to be great athletes and great musicians and and AP scholars and all those things are yes. within that that uh, that group of kids that we also want to give them uh, examples of people who started out like they did and have become successful in life. So talk a little bit about some of the some of the the benefits of being bilingual as you've grown up just through life. Well, for me, like I say, bilingual, again, in my work, I worked in the plant for almost 30 years and, and being able to to communicate with the, There was lots of lots of guys out there that did not speak a lot of English. And here they come to work on a piece of machinery. And, you know, it's a very dangerous job. And and they knew what the job was, but they were they couldn't understand the direction they were being given. So, um, you know, I did a lot of that at that time, you know, to help kind of get to make sure everybody understood, but it was important to me to get to, to management to understand, hey, we just can't send them out there with written letter in English because they don't read English and and you're asking them to work work on something that's very dangerous. And it got a lot better and uh, they would get sent, uh, uh, I want to say translators, translators out there, basically what it is, someone to supervise the work 
making sure that they understood the verbiage that was given to them. And that was a good thing. And, and that's that's something that uh, that to, in today's time, I think, uh, with with the, uh, uh, the progression of OSHA, et cetera, hey, they, everything's in English and in Spanish in, in most places. Right. You know, the, the, the work, the work details. So I think that's a good thing. And I think it, it happens that uh, uh, nowadays a lot more of our kids because of people like Elvin and districts like Barbers Hill and Goose Creek, et cetera, that really work on that ESL program. We're getting kids in the workforce that really do understand what they're doing. Right. You know. Well, um, for me, um, I was that bilingual student. I was that bilingual student um, that transitioned over in fourth grade. So I transitioned from bilingual to a regular class in fourth grade. And I was that student that seemed like a new arrival because I was coming from a class with supports. And then I went with no, to no supports. And I felt truly like a new arrival. Uh, I couldn't, I did not understand my teachers. My teachers were not able to support because they weren't even ESL certified um, because I didn't need it anymore. Um, but I was struggling. I went from loving reading and doing anything to read. I, I just, I hated reading because I couldn't understand the language. I couldn't understand English. Um, I, I, I grasped onto uh, math because math is very universal. Same thing for me right. at that age. Right. And, uh, and that's really what kept me going. And I vividly remember, and I tell uh, a lot of people this, I vividly remember my brain shifting as a fourth grader, vividly remember my brain shifting t to the second language. Mm -hmm. And uh, I actually asked you that off the air. I said, I asked her, I said, when you're a fluent bilingual speaker, when you dream, what language do you dream in? Because <laughs> in my head, I was thinking English. I've always dreamed in English. She said both. She said she dreams in Spanish <laughs> uh, sometimes. Yes. I'm not that good at it. Uh, I guess not. <laughs> uh, so um, that that is the reason I'm here. Right. That's the reason I became a bilingual teacher uh, for students like me, students that uh, were learning a second language that struggled. I, I wasn't a straight A student, um, but because I had a language barrier. Um, now, once I overcame that fifth grade top reader, right? I, I received all of the awards you can name uh, at my school. Um top reader, uh, top AR points, because we did AR. Um, so I went from hating right. reading in fourth grade to loving it once I made that transition. But let's expand that. Like when George said earlier, how, what if we have a kid that, that loves the trumpet or loves choir or loves STEM or loves basketball or loves being a trainer or loves FFA or one of the many, many things that we offer here at Barbers Hill. And if they don't feel completely comfortable because of that language barrier, like I never want a kid to feel that way right here. I always want a kid to have a place where they belong and have a place where they're plugged in and have a place where they can meet their people. And you know what I mean? Yes. yes. And I know, I, I know the high school is doing an amazing job at that. They have this year, we've set up mentors for all of our EB students and they have that extra person to go to, to talk to. Uh, you know, I, I specifically have a couple of students that I go to, uh, and, and they're my mentees and they just share information that they wouldn't have shared with anybody mm -hmm. else. So I think that's a, a that's a great program uh, that 
the high school has implemented this year to getting students plugged in and, and just letting them know, hey, we know you're here and we support you, we value you, and you are going to be plugged in. That's, yeah. that's a great point. You know, because in, in my uh, junior high, sixth grade, we had a Dr. Son uh, Mr. Sonnenberg, uh, our Spanish teacher. Okay, and he was fluent in Spanish, and that's that's who I would go to with any issues, whether I have a math issue or American history. I'd go see him. Hey, they're asking me that. I don't understand it. Didn't make right. sense to me. And he would explain it to me in English and in Spanish. And man, here we go. But it was one person, right. one person that was doing. It. We ha- now we have we have an army, and, right. and we need to use it. And, and and I think our kids understand that. That's that's what disappoints me about her saying that uh, parents decline the services. No, don't decline it. They're trying to help you. We're not belittling, belittling anyone. We're trying to help you. Yes. You know, right. we're giving you something. You have you have Elva in place. You have George. It's you know Doctor Poole that cares about making sure that all our kids get services. And and I'm telling you, it's great. It's great here. It is. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for all you do for our kids, guys. Uh, if you if you are have a student that uh, qualifies for this, or you know a student qualifies, for that, have them reach out. To Elva, have them reach out to our special services department. Let's make sure that they're getting what they need to be the best possible version of stuff. Get them plugged in, get them involved in these schools, get them to succeed at the high level that we're so used to here at Barbers Hill. But personally, thank you all so much for everything you do for our kids, and thank you for taking the time to come visit with us today. Thank you both for what you do for our district. Thank thank you very much. Thank you for having us. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you need more information about our district, please visit our website at bhisd.net.